in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And so very glad to have you along for the ride. Today is the Sunday broadcast, so typically it is a podcast exclusive. However, every now and again, due to circumstances beyond my control it may still get uh, rebroadcast on uh, radio stations and uh, on the vera network uh, just because occasionally the tuesday show gets recorded too late to make it or uh, doesn't get recorded at all for various reasons so uh, maybe you'll get a chance to hear this but if you do just so happens to be that this is sunday may the 14th uh, meaning that it's Mother's Day. So, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there who that applies to. And if you're not a mother, but had a mother that you needed to spend some time with today or get something for, I hope you had a very nice visit. hope you enjoyed your time with your family because that's the reason we fight for the liberties. That's the reason why we stand up and try to make sure that we have a constitutionally federated republic to pass down to the next generation. Family. We need to make sure that we properly appreciate family all the time. And uh, I know I don't have to say that 
to the majority of the audience listening, but it seems an important thing to say, especially on a holiday dedicated to honoring a part of your family. In this particular instance, one of the more important parts, your mother. Okay, so with that out of the way, before we jump into any of today's topics, let's start right out the gate with one of today's sponsors. And of course, we'll start with Four Patriots. Why? Because they were the first official sponsor of the show, and they deserve that right off the bat first sound. Okay, so right now, uh, they are still trying to convince you to uh, go visit and uh, check out their solar generators. And the solar generators are a handy thing because being solar means they don't use gas. And no gas means no fumes, meaning it's safer, especially if you needed to actually use it indoors for some reason. It's a good thing. What's not a good thing is if you don't have emergency backup electricity and the power grid goes down for an extended period of time. However, it doesn't necessarily take a long time for it to become tragic. In this particular case, we're talking about the shocking true story of the crumbling electric grid in the state of California and how a blackout that was ordered by the power company ended up taking the life of a 67-year-old man. His family, of course, left heartbroken, left angry, and uh, left a little confused. You might want to know the details of this particular story. Well, here's exactly that. Some old power lines were at risk of getting knocked over due to a high winds event. So, the power company in question went ahead and killed the power to roughly 700,000 homes, just in case. Robert was asleep. Robert was using his oxygen machine to help him breathe. The alarms didn't wake him up. He wasn't aware. So as he slept, without the help of the oxygen machine, he passed away. The saddest part of Robert's tragedy is that it didn't have to happen at all. And that's because of the new generation of portable, safe, silent, and 100% fume-free backup power generators. We're talking about the Patriot power generator from 4Patriots. It's silent. Solar generator that does not use gas. You can use it indoors. It's powerful enough for your medical devices. It can even keep your fridge running if that's what you need. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use code TAP T-A-P-P, to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including the Patriot Power Generator. Just go to the number 4patriots.com and use code T-A-P-P to get 10% off. Uh, go ahead and get yours ordered today. Do not hesitate. Move forward. Get her done. Can I say that? Is that trademark? Anyway, seems like a good idea. All right, let's talk a little about what's going on at the southern border, shall we? Well, let's talk more about how it's being reported, especially on legacy media, because we're being told, hey, everything's great. It's going much smoother than we thought. According to even Secretary Mayorkas himself, uh, encounters with border agents are down nearly 50% since Title 42. 
expired. Now, you may be scratching your head wondering how it is that with a wave of folks coming across the border, how encounters with Border Patrol could be down at all. And you see, they're playing that usual little game where they know they're lying, but they're kind of sort of twisting the facts so that they can pretend later like it's not a lie. And that, of course, has a lot to do with this app that they're using. Nearly half of the people that they would be encountering, you see, again, they're using baseline budgeting only with the numbers of encounters. Not the actual cut in half of the number of encounters that had been happening, but they've cut in half nearly the number of encounters that they were expecting to have happen, which is a much larger number. They're still having a huge number of encounters, but this stupid little app that they're operating, this app that they're running, is allowing some of these people to just kind of skip right through and not even have to have an encounter with Border Patrol agents. And this fast-track BS where they're being assigned court dates as far out as 2027, I've heard tell but haven't been able to verify some folks claiming in the 2030s. Now, that's entirely possible. I do not not believe it. There's obviously no effort to try to get more uh, judges on the border, especially uh, more of the immigration judges to try to help facilitate speeding up of these uh, hearings for the folks that are claiming asylum. I still think it would be so much simpler, though, if they just, you know, enforced the actual current on-the-books immigration law. That would be the easiest thing to do here. It would be the quickest fix. They wouldn't even have to, to do anything else like increasing presence of the border as far as like, oh, I don't know, let's build a wall. Let's just enforce the laws as they currently exist. Not pick and choose which ones we're going to do, or as a matter of policy, pretend as though we're reinterpreting the law. Something as simple as, I don't know, the little aspect of if you're going to claim asylum, you technically have to, uh, you know, enter an illegal port. You know, you can't just be caught somewhere having crossed illegally and then say, oh, I, I'm seeking asylum. No, that's not how you seek asylum. And so go back and do it the right way. Go away. Or better yet, we caught you here illegally. You didn't follow asylum seeking protocols as it's established by law. When, again, the actual laws on the book state that you have to come into a legal port and formally request asylum at that location. That you can't just cross anywhere and ask. But if you're caught in the country illegally, if you've actually already crossed the border without doing so in the right way, that you're then ineligible for any type of status. At least for, I think it's seven years. If these people who are still trying to make their way across the border, who've already tried to push through in the surge, if these folks had not been essentially promised by the Biden administration that this was still just going to be the way it is, if they thought for a second that they might be denied or they might be immediately turned around or if there was no way they'd receive asylum for anything other than actual, honest-to-goodness political asylum, 
then most of them wouldn't be there. Nearly half of the people currently there coming across would not be attempting to cross the border if they understood up front that we were just going to enforce the laws as they are on the books. However, the fact that there are laws has been lost. It's never reported anymore, and the way they keep framing all this is, oh, it's a humanitarian crisis, and oh, it's such a, a terrible thing. We have to help all these people. They're not mentioning a whole lot about the insanity that's going on with just pushing these people through. And, oh, well, we're taking them places. Well, there are a couple of stories that I saw coming into today's broadcast that kind of stuck in my crawl. Uh, number one, it's a minor thing, but I know what I would feel like if it happened to me. And that's the fact that a New York hotel has canceled a block of more than 35 rooms that were reserved, where they canceled the reservations for these 35 rooms, that were made months ago by an engaged couple for their wedding. The reason that they canceled these 35 uh, rooms, the reservations for these rooms, the reason the Crossroads Hotel in Newburgh, New York, about 70 miles north of Manhattan, well, you see, it's because they began accepting migrants this past Thursday after New York City's Eric Adams, his mayor, announced a plan to house them in hotels in Orange and Rockland counties. See, he's already started moving people out. They're trying to accommodate illegal migrants who came across the border and then got shipped there. But you see, that's not the story that stuck in my crawl the most. <clears throat> That, that bugs me. I, I'm not part of that wedding, but I know how I would feel if that I've made reservations months in advance, that I had taken care of everything that I needed to do. And then, as I am literally this close to my wedding day, suddenly we have to make other arrangements because you have to make room for illegals because the mayor of New York can't live up to the idea of being a sanctuary city, even though he still defends the idea? Yes, we're a sanctuary city. Uh, just please seek sanctuary somewhere else. Now, I know I'm not the only person pointing this out, but oh, the irony of just being perfectly okay being a sanctuary city as long as someone else who has to provide the sanctuary. But see, there was another story that bugs me even more. And for good reason. And it should bug each and every one of you. It should bug you even if you're on the left. Should. I doubt that it will. But we've got a group of homeless veterans that are being kicked out of several New York hotels as officials brace to take in more of these illegal migrants from the southern border. At least according to a group that works with U.S. military veterans. Sharon Tony Fitch. CEO of the Yurik Israel Tony Foundation, and I hope I didn't butcher that name too badly, they told the New York Post that 20 homeless veterans were told that they would need to end their stay early at hotels not far from New York City and find somewhere else to go. Yep, yep, just go on. We're, we're going to have to kick you out. We knew the, we know we told you that you had until X amount of time, but eh. We have to prioritize illegal migrants that are coming this way. 
that the Biden administration is now sending to locations like this. It, it's not the governors of red states anymore. It is the Biden administration loading up buses, loading up airplanes in the dead of the night again, uh, doing this to move them to locations further inside the country to try to alleviate the feel to alleviate the appearance, the perception of how bad this really is. This full-blown invasion on our southern border that is in fact being encouraged by the Biden administration due to their policies, no matter what they're saying out loud. It's obvious that their policies continue to draw this crowd. Everyone that gets interviewed that's one of these migrants says as much. There have been multiple interviews that have actually been aired on even some of the legacy mainstream media outlets like CNN, where the illegal migrant has said, yes, because of Title 42 ending, this is why I'm here. Uh, I have the app on my phone. Look at this. Not a lot of folks saying that they're fleeing political persecution either. The most common excuse used is we're looking for economic asylum, which is not a guaranteed asylum and should not even be on the books right now for us looking at uh, trying to help these people. Uh, the sad thing is the Democrats are actually right when it comes to the economic migrants. The approach that would solve the issue is getting to the root causes. That's why they use that talking point. The problem is they don't really want to solve the root problem. They don't have the, well, they don't have the intelligence first and foremost, but they don't have the integrity to go and try to help build up economies in other parts of the world because they're too busy trying to tear down ours. So root causes, if you could solve that to avoid economic migration, then that too would go a long way towards serving, solving this current issue. But hey, not the point here. The point here is that Ms. Tony Fitch was pointing out that we have veterans that are being kicked out of the place where they're currently staying, where arrangements were made, where they are homeless. They don't have another place to go. People that have served this nation proudly, that have worn the uniform, that stood a post. People that earned respect by virtue of standing for our liberties, trying to help uphold the principles of the Constitution. These people were made promises in return for their service. And once again, we have a government that refuses to stand up and honor those promises. Once again, we see Biden's administration and every Democrat across the country, every blue state, every blue city, putting the needs of illegal migrants who have no legal right to be here ahead of our veterans. It's bad enough they put them ahead of all citizens, but the fact that they want to ignore people that have sacrificed so much in the name of serving this country and then treat them like, eh, well, you know, mm, dirt beneath my fingernails, uh, scrape that away and let's move on. Uh, no reason for us not to continue to encourage the circle of violence and 
human trafficking and fentanyl coming across the border. There's no reason why we should pretend like there's anything we can do to solve the border crisis. Hey, guys, how about you just, I don't know, put a moratorium on all immigration for a couple of years? Because we've got too many migrants in here already, too many legally uh, immigrated folks here already without giving ample opportunity for them to acclimate to our culture. That, that's kind of an important part of being a melting pot, which we're still supposed to be. The folks that are supposed to be coming here, for whatever reason, should be looking to become an American. If you're not interested in come, becoming an American and you're only seeking short-term asylum, that's a whole different situation. But that's only permissible for political refugees, not economic refugees. That's not our problem. But Tony Fish said, uh, speaking directly to the news outlets, our veterans have been placed in another hotel due to what's going on with the immigrants. Now, she said that about 15 veterans were kicked out of the Crossroads Hotel in Newburgh, and five others were moved from a Super 8 and a Hampton Inn and Suites in Middleton. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has been moving migrants, many of whom crossed illegally into the U.S. and are awaiting court dates. Move them to Orange County, where both Middleton and Newburgh are located, because the Big Apple has seen such an influx of migrants. Tony Fitch, whose foundation works with homeless and low-income veterans, said that she received calls from some of the veterans after they were told they would need to move out. Veterans moved out include those who fought in Vietnam and Afghanistan. Back to quoting here from Miss Tony Fitch, Finch. I'm sorry, Tony Finch. Uh, that's a hyphenated, by the way, Tony Finch. Again, speaking to the New York Post. Quote, he, one of the veterans, told me he had to leave because the hotel said the extended stay is not available. Then I got another call. We didn't waste any time. That's when we started on Monday to organize when and where to move them all. Tony Finch said that they were in the process of finding permanent housing for these veterans, who she arranged to move into the hotels in Hudson Valley, but that the veterans' trust in the foundation has now been damaged because of the move, saying, quote, now we have to work from ground zero. We just lost that trust. Now, one reason the veterans were moved out, according to Ms. Finch, is that the hotels get paid more by New York City to house migrants than the foundation to house the vets. Uh, again, quoting here, that's so unfair, because at the end of the day, we are still a small nonprofit, and we do pay $88 a day for the veterans to be there. State Assemblyman Brian Marr said that Americans' veterans should be respected and that they should get priority over migrants. Hey, well, thank goodness somebody there agrees with me. Continuing to quote, whether you agree with asylum seekers being here or not, 
We can't just ignore these veterans that are in our charge, that we are supposed to protect, the New Yorkers and Americans. Meyer, who also represents Orange County, speaking to the New York Post once again, finished up by saying we need to put them first. Well, yeah, no duh. Why is it that as a hotel, if you've already entered into an agreement, that you can suddenly just shift the nature of that agreement? That you can suddenly just say, oh, well, you know what? We know you're a veterans group. We know you're a nonprofit. We know we agreed to this price, but nope, get out. We're going to make some more money because Eric Adams is going to give us New York City's uh, taxpayer dollars. And he's going to do that because he's claiming they don't have the resources to take care of them in New York City proper. Despite the fact that for the longest time, Eric Adams and every other New York Democrat, every other Illinois Democrat, every other California Democrat seem to think it was perfectly okay for Texas and Arizona border towns who have less than a fraction of the same amount of resources available to them Perfectly fine for them to deal with a hundred times more individuals coming across the border illegally than what they have yet to see. They see a few thousand and they get whiny. There are border towns in Texas and Arizona right now that see a few thousand inside of a quarter of an hour. This is not... A small issue, and these people continue to fail to understand the full scope. They get a little taste of it, and now suddenly they know what some of these small towns have been up against, and the fact that the federal government has been unable, unwilling, or both to do anything about it to actually help them out. Just continue to tell them that you can't actually do anything yourself to solve the problem. It's not only unfair. It is a complete and total dereliction of duty and a violation of their oath of office. Every one of these morons that continues to talk about sanctuary city or sanctuary state needs to be impeached, removed from office, barred from ever holding public office again because they are not just permitting, they are promoting the destruction of the infrastructure of this nation. And they are doing it at the expense of the taxpaying citizenry, period. In my mind, unacceptable. In the words of my good friend Ron Edwards, what say you? Let's take the mid-hour break, and when we get back, we will continue on to the next topic. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done before. The Bible tells us that when the wicked reign, the people mourn. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. 
On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, I can say that with utmost clarity of mind, soul, and spirit, that the United States, for the most part, though not all, is unfortunately ruled by those who not only tend to lean toward more leftist wicked ideologies, but are themselves the embodiment of evil and are financially and frantically seeking to literally destroy our beloved republic. They were shocked beyond belief how President Trump was able to quickly spearhead numerous positive developments, both domestically and abroad, in less than four years, with a fraction of the support he should have received from the Republican Party. Far too many rhinos were more interested in playing footsies and plotting with Democrats to undermine Trump's America First policies. They declared Trump unfit to be president because he did not agree with the Democrat and rhino agenda to make the United States of America unfit to carry on as the leading nation of the world. I believe we can and will overcome this current reign of wickedness. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com and Constitutional Grounds Coffee. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take a brief moment to just talk to you about what's going on in the financial world right now. See, right now, we have a not-so-secret secret Fed bailout going on. It's looking a lot worse than 2008 ever did at this point. We see banks collapsing with more teetering on the brink of collapse. We see fat bonuses being taken by executives that shouldn't be eligible for them, and we see the White House running to their rescue while regular people like you and me are struggling to the point that we have to decide which bills we're going to pay because we can't pay all of them. We can't afford to to keep our gas tanks filled. And the Biden administration has the nerve to bail out the wealthiest of Americans and people with direct ties to the CCP, and worse than that, decide that we should pay for that. Well, the good news is you don't have to play their game anymore. You can opt out of the, at least part of the system by moving your cash into gold and silver right now. Do it before it's too late. Give our friends over at Gold Co. a call at 855-387-2932 to learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Take action today. Protect yourself and your family from financial collapse before the White House can do any more damage to your well-being. Call call 855-387-2932 right now and learn how you could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. One more time, our friends over at Gold Co., 855 387-2932. Give them a call today. Save your wealth. Protect your family. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, 
and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from the 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink Conquer. Repeat. Skull. How do you register for wedding gifts when all you really want is a fantastic honeymoon? Don't get us wrong, traditional wedding registries that feature a collection of gift items like towels and appliances are definitely helpful as you furnish your home with your new spouse, but they don't help you pay for your dream honeymoon. HoneyFund is here to help you reach those goals with a cash registry. Understandably, some couples may feel unsure about asking for cash instead of traditional wedding registry items. The reality is wedding guests love HoneyFund, and they always tell us how they wished they had one when they got married. Rest assured, friends and family will happily contribute to your honeymoon. In fact, couples who start with HoneyFund receive two and a half times more honeymoon funds than couples who start with a store registry. Even if your store registry allows you to add honeymoon gifting, friends and family will be more likely to pick the physical gift items. But on HoneyFund, you can feature what you really want first, your honeymoon. Add activities you plan to do, where you would like to eat, and how you plan to get there so your friends and family know exactly what their contributions will be going towards. 
You can add a gorgeous photo of your dream destination and write about why it is the perfect place to celebrate your new marriage. It will be so exciting for your friends and family to see the story of your honeymoon through the items in your registry. Still need a few household items? You can have traditional wedding gifts on your HoneyFun page by linking partner registries. Adding additional registries this way, instead of adding the individual items to your HoneyFun page, will help emphasize your honeymoon experiences over other gifts, so you have the best chance to have your once-in-a-lifetime honeymoon. Reach your wedding and honeymoon goals. Create your HoneyFun registry today. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Kathy Barnett, the National Grassroots Director for the Vivek 2024 Presidential Campaign, and you're listening to Tap and Tap into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Although they don't seem to be quite as brief as they used to be. Uh, I did throw in an extra ad as well for Honey Fun, just because I haven't mentioned them in a while. I don't know how much they actually like me uh, uh, adding their ad here. I'm trying to push brand awareness uh, when it comes to those particular ads. Uh, if you do know somebody that's looking to get married in any time in the near future, Honey Fund is probably the best version of a registry that's out there. Uh, and they are completely fee-free now. So uh, just one more reason to check them out. I like including them just ever so often. Uh, definitely once you uh, getting the Einstein Einstock beer. Uh, if you're a beer drinker, uh, trust me, it's a great craft beer. It is phenomenal. They've got something that will appeal to almost any beer drinker's taste, whatever your preference happens to be. Uh, the only real issue may still be availability of some of the uh, flavors in some areas. Uh, and of course, when it comes to Beanstalk, uh, download the app and start saving today. Easy enough to do. Uh, one more mention real quick, though, of our third and uh, final sponsor. Now, those other ads, where you hear those ads, uh, those are just companies that I have an equity stake in and would very much like for them to be successful. Uh, the Red Scripts, those are sponsors. Four Patriots, Gold Co., and, of course, our friends over at Vanish Holsters. I don't know if I can emphasize this enough, but it is important. The surest path to becoming the victim of tyranny is to give up your guns. The, the quickest way to become a victim of a crime is to not have your gun with you. And one of the biggest mistakes that gun owners like myself have made in the past and a lot of us continue to make, is that we'll choose a holster that's so uncomfortable that we just stop using it. 
meaning that from the very uh, start that we're at that disadvantage. And if a situation arises where we need to defend our lives, where we need to protect the lives of our family or our neighbors, if we need to just protect our property from would-be criminals, we've already lost. But it's that comfort level that really, really puts vanish holsters at a level above the rest. They are quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in America. They have thousands of customers that say they are hands down, unequivocally, the most comfortable holster ever, and that if you ever get one, you'll never stop carrying. Vanish holsters save you money. Nearly 99% of all semi-auto handguns work with the Vanish holster. The holster works without a tactical belt, lets you carry two fully loaded magazines, and most important when it comes to being the most comfortable ever, it lets you carry in multiple positions. And the very best part right now as a listener to this show you can save yourself $50 on a Vanish Holster purchase. Just go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P to activate that discount. It's practically a steal at that point. Go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P right now. Do a little multitasking. You can have your order placed and have your Vanish holster on its way to you before we reset into hour number two. It's just that simple. It's just that easy. So there's no reason for you not to go do it. All right. So with that being said, let's move on to our next story of the day. It seems like the Treasury Department is currently trying to convince all of us, that we shouldn't believe our lying eyes and we shouldn't believe our lying ears when we heard on multiple occasions when Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. say over and over again that he wanted a clean bill to raise the debt ceiling that he was not going to negotiate, period. But now we got folks from the Treasury Department out here refusing to admit that uh, Biden waited until the threat of a historic default became imminent before he decided to, you know, negotiate the debt ceiling. We had Dan Bash over on CNN that was pressing Treasury Deputy Secretary Wally Adamo about the issue of this past Sunday. Now, he continued to press when we're just weeks ahead a few short weeks ahead, as it can happen as early as June, before this unprecedented government default. Now, Bash said, quote, If the threat from default is so dire, why did the president wait until this month to have real negotiations about how to and where to have spending cuts in order to avert the default? Now, Ademo dismissed the premise of the question. I'm now that's just silly. He basically said that Biden, quote, didn't wait. 
because, supposedly, Biden proposed a budget back in March to reduce the debt by nearly $3 trillion over the next decade, which is not what it would have done, by the way, but it is the Democrat talking point, okay? But supposedly this debt, and, and we talked about that debt very little here because you got plenty of coverage of it everywhere else, and I do try to be a little more selective uh, unless it's something that I just absolutely have to talk about because it's driving me nuts. I try to be more selective and talk a little bit more about important stories that aren't getting as much attention. So we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about how ridiculous the Biden budget was, but it was horrific. And we did talk a little bit about it here, and I know you heard plenty from other places. So this guy is saying, Mr. Ademo, is saying that uh, this proposed budget that he put forward was actually Biden's first move towards trying to negotiate, even though he was already saying before that there would be no negotiation on the debt ceiling, even though this budget has nothing at all to do with the debt ceiling, except for the fact that if he would actually put forth a serious budget, it might help to avoid reaching the debt ceiling. Now, it's a strange concept, I know. Live within your means. Hmm. Anyway, despite the lies about the nearly $3 trillion in reduction to the debt, he said that uh, Republicans passed their own plan in the following month. And so Biden then invited congressional leaders to discuss fiscal policy, except he didn't invite them to discuss the policy until after he realized that there were some Democrats that were starting to put pressure on him to negotiate. And even then, he still continued to say that he wants a clean bill. He doesn't want to negotiate the debt ceiling uh, raise. He wants to negotiate a budget. And he wants to do that separate from the debt ceiling discussion. He's even still saying that at this point, although they've kind of mooted that point as much as possible, because they want to look like they're at least trying. They still want to try and pretend as if it's those mean old Republicans and their reckless attempt to slash the budget and hurt the American people by, you know, not just continuing to give them free money for no apparent reason, which might actually also help reduce inflation. Just, just throwing that out there for your consideration. Yeah, yeah. Ademo said that Biden invited congressional leaders to discuss fiscal policy. Now, it's important to understand, discussing fiscal policy is not negotiating the debt ceiling. It's not the same thing. Again, so we can spin it and make it sound like, oh, we're trying so hard, and the fact that we told you multiple times that we were not going to negotiate the debt ceiling, that has not a thing to do with this. It's not the same, but we want you to conflate it somehow in your mind and think that, oh, look at us, We've been working so hard, the mean, mean Republicans just keep getting in the way. Now, congressional leaders did meet with Biden at the White House last week, but they failed to come up with any kind of agreement, again, because uh, Biden and company has no interest in avoiding the default. I honestly believe, and until I see them do something otherwise, that they want the default as a way to cover for the failings of their own fiscal policy. They can just say when all the 
fertilizer hits the fan for real, and even a majority of Democrats are no longer bamboozled by the fact that these people are trying to destroy our economy, that they can still blame the Republicans at that point. And there will be some folks with a D at the end of their name and some folks that vote for the folks with a D at the end of their name that will believe it either because they really, really want to or because they really just don't understand how fiscal policy affects them. And in either case, it gives them cover. And I honestly think that's what he wants in this instance. He and whoever's pulling the strings. Regardless, this meeting not only didn't bring forth anything, but a planned second meeting that was scheduled for this past Friday ended up being postponed. But of course, a, a demo contended that the conversations were constructive and stated that Biden has, quote, made clear. Oh, gee, why does that sound so familiar? Jean-Pierre. Uh, yeah, I, I think it sounds, we've been very clear. We've been very clear. I, I really, I never thought I'd say this, but I miss the days of, I'll circle back around to that. Circle back Saki made a heck of a lot more sense. But anyway, Biden has made clear he does not think that invoking the 14th Amendment to get around Congress would solve our problems right now. That's because it would create a constitutional crisis. Nobody, including the Republicans, have stated that the debt of the country isn't legitimate. However, the 14th Amendment was a way to make certain that nobody in the federal government got the bright idea that once they forced the Confederacy back into the Union, that the debt that the Confederacy had accrued would not be paid. Because once those states were back in the Union, it became the debt of the United States. That's all that was about. So it'd be a, an abuse of the intention to use it in this circumstance anyway. But the part they continue to ignore when they try to make this argument is that nobody's saying that the debt isn't legitimate debt. What we're saying is you have a limit to how much credit you can use to try to cover your current debt. You can't continue to further indebt yourself in an effort to just pay off the previous debt. You've got to, at some point, figure out a way to be fiscally responsible and start paying these debts down without raising your debt further. That's all this is. Congress controls the purse strings. The House of Representatives has control over how much spending you can actually do. That is in the Constitution proper, not had to be add on after the Civil War. There is no question, there is no doubt who controls the money. That is the way it's supposed to be. Now, the executive branch has some level of leeway and they can, in fact, prioritize payments and decide when there is a shortfall, who's getting their money and who's going to have to wait. But it isn't a dismissal of that debt, even when that happens. So, of course, invoking the 14th Amendment doesn't solve anything. Because eventually they're going to run out of the cash to do anything with anyway, if they just ignore it. Biden and, of course, all the Democrats in Congress are advocating for a clean bill to raise the debt ceiling above the current limit of roughly $31.4 trillion. 
a stance that sets them up for a clash with the Republicans who want to discuss concessions on spending cuts after the GOP-led House passed their proposal in April. It's clear, uh, quoting House Speaker Kevin McCarthy here, it's clear that the only responsible way to raise the debt ceiling is to limit reckless spending and get inflation under control. Now, who can argue with that? Oh, yeah, the Democrats. That's who. Joe Biden wants to continue to spend, 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 and they still think that they have a way to raise taxes to a point that they can cover those expenses. The problem is they're already acquired and accrued so much debt that they could take 100% of every penny that every billionaire and millionaire in this country have and not scratch the surface. They need more because they refuse to do the responsible thing and stop spending money that they have no constitutional authority to spend. There's a plethora of places where they could meet every actual legitimate obligation they have and take care of the business of the people and not have to worry about raising the debt any further and could actually cut into, and dare I even say it, but they could have a balanced budget. They could actually spend nothing more other than what they know is going to come in. They could also reduce corporate taxes and increase the amount of tax revenue. It's funny how they constantly kind of glaze over the fact that every time there's been a significant tax cut on uh, corporations, a significant tax cut on businesses across the board, period, that the economic engine gets stronger, businesses do more business, and even at the lower tax rate, there's more money to be taxed on so they have more in taxes everywhere because everyone's doing better. It happens, but they won't talk about it because they want you to be convinced that, well, they didn't pay for the Trump tax cuts. What do you mean they didn't pay for it? It paid for itself in increased revenue. That means more tax dollars taken in. That's the only revenue the government has tax dollars that it collects. They collected more tax dollars because with the reduced percentage, there was a lot more wealth to be taxed, and not just on the businesses, but the American people were doing better. Several moved to a higher tax bracket. Several of those same people have dropped back below. Now, in some cases, you even flirting with the poverty line because the Biden policies, which are Democrat policies through and through, are detrimental, to say the least. They're so damaging. And it's it's not even a question anymore. There's no real argument. There's philosophy and theory that says that it shouldn't work that way. But yet, in reality, in practice, in the real world, we see it time and time again. The pattern has happened often enough that there should be no reasonable thinking person that argues the opposite anymore. Unless, of course, their intention isn't to provide a strong economy, but in fact to do the opposite. And make no mistake, there are plenty of folks out there that that is the intention. 
It's not every person that supports it. Some people are just simply bamboozled into believing it. Those people are what the folks on the left, the ones that are up high pulling the strings, uh, refer to as useful idiots. And I'm sorry. If you believe in modern monetary theory, you are an idiot. I mean, if you generally believe in it, you just are dumb. Sorry. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but it doesn't take 15 minutes of economic research. You don't have to be a, a, an expert. You don't have to be somebody that holds a PhD in economics to instantly see that it's a failure. It's been a failure when any aspect of it has been put in place anywhere in the world. And there's one thing that works, and that's actual free markets, actual uh, reduction of taxation, which in turn reduces the cost of doing business, which means more money can flow freely into the hands from customers to business, from business to employees, from employees creating new customers. That's a cycle that works. That is a system that has raised more people out of poverty than anything else has ever come close to accomplishing. And it's funny how much easier it is to get along with folks that believe differently than you politically when the economy is working for both of you. But hey, like I said, they're in a full court press right now to try and convince you that their lies are what's true. So no, uh, Biden didn't wait till the last minute to negotiate. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you heard him himself tell you that. All right, let's reset the hour, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. She was from a blue state clan, taught to praise the little man, told that unions saved the working class. He was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows and he couldn't say when he couldn't say how he couldn't say why she was different in his eyes They built careers and had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less
They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for being right here right now uh we are watching the world burn unfortunately that's kind of where we are at and it is horrific but it is not unexpected it is not something new it is something that i don't know a lot of people were warning you about depending on the outcome of the last election and the election before that and you know we got to see how quickly things could turn around and how quickly things could get better and take an important step towards complete return to normalcy and sanity, uh, given a short amount of time from uh, somebody in the White House who wasn't even really a conservative. He's not an ideologue of any kind. He just wants to put America first, and he's got some good ideas about what that constitutes and then some not-so-good ideas about what that constitutes. But he was always willing to listen to folks with genuine conservative uh, ideas and principles. And more often than not, he ended up doing the right thing, and he did so in a great fashion. And of course, I'm talking about the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the orange man who's bad, the climate arsonist, uh, Mr. Donald John Trump, former president of the United States, best known as the Donald. Now... That guy did a lot of good, and still a lot of people didn't like him, and mostly because the media worked against him, because he refused to let the media take him down. A lot of the political crowd, including a lot of folks that, strangely enough, thought they deserved an R at the end of their name, saw him as trying to end the gravy train. He was a true outsider. And he was at his best, and I think continues to be at his best, when he pulls no punches and when he shows that he's willing to go to the mat, not for himself, but for America and for people like you and me. That's a Donald Trump that can win another election. But he's got to step up and be that Donald Trump. He needs to stop spending so much time attacking other Republicans. He can defend himself. He can say what he needs to say, and he can run a campaign, but he has got to stop. I don't think he can 
and maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe there's enough people that'll get behind him again. But I don't think he can win a primary if he tries to run it this time the same way he did last time. I don't think the name calling with the cute little nicknames like Lion Ted and Little Marco and all the other clever things he thinks he's come up with. I don't think that's going to serve him as well this time. Because there's, he's literally attacking people this go around that should be part of the team that helps get stuff done. That can, that have proven that they can in places where people thought it was impossible. But despite that, here's some of the things that everybody's talking to. Today is, of course, Mother's Day. It's, uh, it's the uh, 14th of May. And what people are talking about today, the two biggest stories that are out there where you're going to get plenty of coverage, is the fact that Donald Trump had to cancel an Iowa uh, rally because of weather. But Ron DeSantis showed up and uh, had a meet and greet in, uh, in Des Moines. And everybody seems to think that he is going to officially announce his campaign early this coming week. And by all intents and purposes, if anybody was left out there that thought that he was still just testing the waters or maybe he wasn't serious about it or he might not run, this is his, what, third trip to Iowa in the last two and a half months. And he's been traveling internationally, doing things recently, trying to establish an international press. There is no question at this point, there is no doubt left, Ron DeSantis will be running for the nomination. And unfortunately, the worst part here is Donald Trump has already thrown enough bad blood at DeSantis that it would be impossible for the two of them to reconcile and possibly merge into a single ticket that I think would be unbeatable by anybody that the left throws at them. And I'm have pretty well been convinced that ultimately, uh, right now, Michelle Obama is running a stealth campaign of her own. I've seen the evidence. I saw what some folks have pointed out that have been putting it together, and it's convincing. Uh, she is legitimately the only person that has direct ties to the White House that is still popular amongst a majority of Democratic voters. Now, we certainly can argue whether or not she should be popular among them, but since we're typically not Democrat voters over here, we can hardly make a definitive case for how a Democrat should be thinking. The point of the matter is, though, whether somehow or another Joe manages to get to that point, if he doesn't, who do they have? They can't run Kamala. Kamala is probably the only politician in the country, especially on the Democratic side, that's less popular than Hillary Clinton. They can't run Pete Buttigieg because Pete has made a complete asinine uh, buffoon of himself over how he's run the Department of Transportation. You know, the way things transpired in the East Palestine train derailment situation, that ruined any chance he ever had of becoming president. There's not enough Democratic voters willing to overlook that debacle. And Biden very cleverly sidestepped it and pinned all that on him. And make no mistake about it, that was the intention, too, by the way. Pretty sure the Biden folks were concerned that Pete might go ahead and run for president anyway, despite being a cabinet member. And without hanging something around his neck, he might still seem a plausible guy. But anyway, 
the the big stories you have DeSantis showing up in Iowa and the other big story is you have a key witness in the Biden bribery scheme that's gone missing and the FBI refuses to offer any assistance in trying to find this missing individual. So that really tells you just about everything that you need to know about what's going on there. Those are the two big stories of the weekend, and they continue to be big. Now, before I go into the next story that we're going to cover here, I need to once again start talking about our sponsors for today's show. And once again, we will start talking about 4Patriots.com. Now, uh, they're still heavily pushing, heavily pushing, pronunciation being important, uh, the solar generators this month. But I want to take a minute to remind you what we were talking about last month. And that is the fact that it, it has not changed. China is still hoarding a tremendous amount of food. They have gotten so much of the world's reserve in corn and in wheat and in rice that clearly you need to be asking yourself, what is it that they know that we don't? Considering that China is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to global food shortages, you better believe that they're concerned about it based on those actions. So what does that mean for average everyday Americans like you and me? That we should also be concerned about it, and we should take steps now to avoid hardship later. And one of the best things that you can do in regards to being prepared for food shortages in the country is to get yourself a stockpile of the four patriots survival food kits these are the best selling food kits out on the market and the reason they are such is because they're rated to last you for 25 years if need be but the food tastes fantastic they've got a ton of reviews that just raves about the taste of the food that doesn't come from uh, just paying some bot to do it. That is literally people that have had it, tried it, and said, this is the real deal. And the best thing about the uh, Patriot Food Survival Food Kits, they're hand-packed here in the United States. They're compact and they're easily stackable, so you can build yourself a stockpile based on the amount of space you have, and you don't have to worry about having it out in the open or finding a place to put it. Beyond that, it's just really good stuff. They've recently added some new desserts. They've got a ton of protein options. There's so much stuff going on. And right now, right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com. You can use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout and get 10% off your order on literally everything in the store. That includes the 4Patriot Survival Food Kits. That includes the Patriot Power Generators. It includes everything in the store over at 4Patriots. So again, go over right now to 4Patriots.com. Use that promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, to get 10% off your purchase. And uh, don't hesitate. One more time, that's the number 4Patriots.com. Use code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Get 10% off and get your stuff on the way right now. Do it. Don't make me tell you again. <laughs> really, you won't be sorry. That's all I can say. 
Okay, so right now House Republicans are questioning Education Secretary Miguel Cordona. Not the first time. So you might be wondering, what now, Tim? Well, if you haven't heard, the question now involves the potential for waste and fraud in aspects of the Education Department's Student Loan Repayment Plan. You see, the House Oversight Committee Chairman, one Representative James Comer, the same James Comer who is upset at the FBI for not assisting them to find the missing key witnesses uh, in the Biden bribery uh, investigation, the same Comer who laid out a very convincing series of uh, information, uh, pieces of evidence, in proving that at least nine members of the Biden family had been involved in the Biden crime family corruption selling of access to Biden. Uh, yeah, that, that same James Comer. He is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And, uh, and House Education and Workforce Committee chairwoman Virginia Fox, they got together. And they sent a letter to Condona, Cardona, let me enunciate. They sent a letter to Cardona on Friday asking how the department planned to deter potential fraud since it was pursuing an income-based repayment plan without verification measures in place for income. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, guys? Uh, we're going to to let you get away with paying less on your repayment plan if you're not making X amount of dollars. But don't worry, we're not actually going to ask you to prove what your income is, and we're not going to check into it. Basically, a wink and a nod and, hey, let's just pretend like if you say this, we're going to pretend like it's true. Put yourself in that lowest income bracket and ta-da! Loan forgiveness has been accomplished. <sighs> All right, anyway, quoting here uh, from the letter, which was first obtained by the Washington Examiner for full hat tip purposes. Quote, in light of the Oversight Committee's observations about self-certification and multiple COVID-19 pandemic relief programs, we're concerned about the extent to which the department is leaving taxpayers vulnerable to waste, fraud, and abuse. Hmm. Seems reasonable so far. Perhaps, Mr. I'm sorry, Secretary Cardona should have a good answer for that. I doubt that he will, but we'll see at some point. So while student loan payments have not yet resumed, although that's coming up soon, the current plan in place stipulates that lower monthly payments for those with lower incomes, which makes sense to a degree. The Republicans are concerned because of what they say the income is self-verified, potentially exposing the program to abuse. Uh, I would go a step further and say not potentially, but it's an invitation to abuse the program. 
Again, we keep ignoring the fact that every democratic program that has been put in place, well, at least since the end of the Civil War, has been with an intention of inviting misuse, at the very least, if not full-blown mis, uh, not full-blown abuse. It's been, at the very least, well, here's a little gray area that you can play in. So that, technically, if you ever do get caught and somebody says, well, this isn't what this was allowed, you can come away with saying, well, I'm sorry, I thought it was this, uh, we're sorry, and we won't do it again, and hopefully get away with it. Anyway, quoting again, uh, this from Comer, speaking to the examiner. The Biden administration's student loan bailout scheme leaves taxpayers holding the bag. Biden's Department of Education has now kicked the door wide open to waste, fraud, and abuse by eliminating verification measures designed to prevent fraud in student loan repayments. We need Secretary Cardona to provide answers about why the department is taking actions that make hardworking taxpayers liable when student loan borrowers misrepresent their income. Now, the letter references a large amount of fraud that occurred with the Paycheck Protection Program during the COVID pandemic because of a similar self-certification measure. Fox said that the department was showing that it was not ready to restart the payment process. Quoting here, when borrowers initially enrolled in a income-driven repayment plan, they provided tax return information. It's ridiculous for the department to not enforce the program requirements. This decision calls into question the department's motives and its overall preparedness to handle the return to repayments for millions of borrowers. Now, of course, the letter comes as the department's getting ready to resume student loan payments, something that has been paused now for three years. Cardona, speaking to a group of senators during a hearing this past Thursday, said, quote, we're preparing to restart repayment because the emergency period is over and we're preparing our borrowers to restart. Now, some payments could be impacted by how the Supreme Court decides to rule on Biden's student debt cancellation plan, which would unilaterally cancel up to $20,000 in unpaid loans for roughly 40 million borrowers. Quoting again from Cardona, we recognize that during the pandemic, it was very difficult for borrowers. We are committed to making sure that once a decision is made, that we're going to resume payments 60 days after, but no later than June 30th. We're going to begin that process. You know, it's funny he didn't mention in any of his testimony in front of the Senate, why there was no income verification steps involved. It's interesting that he didn't seem to understand why that might be important. 
We continue to see the Biden administration try to find more and more ways to screw up, more and more ways to try to put this country in a financial, uh, I don't know, what is, what's a good word here? I, I suddenly just had images of wrestling popping into my head, and I was thinking into a financial body slam, but I, I don't know that that's appropriate imagery for this. It's just, it, it seems like choreographed violence. It's like, okay, there's actual athleticism involved in wrestling, but there is a certain amount of acting involved too, right? I mean, we know the storylines are determined in advance. We know that uh, we don't have, you know, we really just, we don't have the creative telling us what this final storyline is going to be, who's going to be the champion. It feels like it's a choreographed bit of violence. Here's the unintended consequence that's going to be the result. So is it really unintended? No, but that is the way they're going to play. It's what they're going to pretend. It's the K-Fab part of the, the storyline. We're going to pretend like we were really working hard to accomplish this, but then all of a sudden, from out of the back, here was the still chair, and it ended the successful run of the student loan program. And now we have another excuse to go to the mat for trying to just uh, to just negate it altogether, even though there's no constitutional authority for it. And why do they want to do this so hard? Because they get to pretend like they're fighting for those young folks that are out there being indoctrinated into the ideas of uh, socialism. And here we are, guys, while we're trying to convince you now you're going to receive the benefits of socialism and you'll buy into it even more because it helps you even though by the time you're old enough to have children of your own going to college, if we continue down this path, we will have destroyed the nation and there'll be nothing left to share with everyone in a collectivist idea utopia. That's the KFAB. That's the storyline. And I still, for the life of me, don't understand why just the image of, <laughs> of Secretary Cardona trying to scoop slam a student loan bill just, I don't know, it just popped into my head. But it still seems to be a pretty, pretty accurate description of what's happening because, again, of the KFAB part of the story here. The choreographed violence, the pretend surprise when we get the outcome that no one expected when in fact it is exactly the outcome that they're working for all right well let's go ahead and take the mid-hour break for one more time but before we slide into the mid-hour break let me talk to you about the second sponsor of today's show of course we are talking about our good friends over at Gold Co. Now, they still want me to continue to remind you about the economic system and how dangerous it is right now while we see banks collapsing. And, you know, there's reason to be concerned. There is. When we see executives taking big bonuses, when they're facing no consequences for their poor decisions of how they were managing these banks, yeah, there's a reason to be concerned. When we see the White House running to their rescue instead of, you know, helping regular, average, everyday Americans like you and me, yeah, there's reason to be concerned about that, too. 
I mean, we're literally watching them take U.S. taxpayer dollars, money that you and I have earned by the sweat of our brow, by the efforts of our labor, and they take that from us in the form of taxes, and then they take it and they give it away to these folks who have not done the same thing, who certainly don't need the money as much as we, those hardworking people who have earned it, do. We're struggling to pay our bills. Sometimes we have to decide which bills are getting paid. We're struggling to keep gas in our uh, vehicle's tanks. Then suddenly Biden and company, they have the nerve to bail out these folks at places like Silicon Valley Bank, who were some of the wealthiest of people in the country, along with other people that have direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, let's bail those folks out. And you know what? Again, quick reminder, who's paying for that? You are. I am. We are. We don't have to pay the game anymore. We can opt out of the system. We can move our cash into precious metals. We're talking gold, silver, and other precious metals. We need to do it before it's too late. So please, if you haven't already, give our friends at GoCo a call at 855-387-2932. That way you can learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Take action today to protect yourself and your family from financial collapse. Do it before the White House comes for the rest of what we have. Call 855-387-2932 right now and learn how you could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last, of course. One more time, that's our friends over at Gold Co. That number is 855-387-2932. Give them a call. Trust me, you won't be sorry. It's it's a free wealth-saving kit. It's well worth the time and effort. Just give them a call, please. Please. All right, guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just The Old Testament prophets predicted and longed for the coming of Messiah, the one who would enter history to bring redemption and deliverance to God's chosen people. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, through a carefully selected series of Old Testament quotations, the New Testament book of Matthew documents and verifies Jesus Christ's claim to be King of the Jews. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' genealogy, baptism, messages, and miracles all clearly point to the same inescapable conclusion. Jesus is King, the long-awaited Messiah. President Thomas Jefferson believed that the teachings of Jesus embody the most sublime system of morals in the world. He stated, quote, We all agree in the obligation of the moral precepts of Jesus, and nowhere will they be found delivered in greater purity than in his discourses 
Early in Jesus' public life, the Apostle Peter recognized who the carpenter was. In his gospel, Matthew configured and confirmed that Jesus is the Messiah. And in his politics, Thomas Jefferson embraced Christ's teachings. Was Thomas Jefferson a flawed individual? Oh, yeah. And the last time I checked, none of us are perfect. That is why we need Jesus, which Thomas Jefferson recognized. How about you? God bless you, God bless America, and may America bless God. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Gordon Knight with Deep Seek Diaries. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. A little bit shorter break there. Before we go any further, though, I do need to mention our last sponsor of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for already actively checking out Vanish Holsters. I appreciate it. In fact, you guys are doing a great job keeping these sponsors happy with being on the show. Uh, as much as I would like to take uh, some tremendous credit, I'm not particularly great at reading the scripts, and I'm not particularly uh, convincing in trying to sell these products. You guys have just You've heard me talk about it, and then you've seen me post it in social media. You've clicked on the sites. You've went to see for yourself, and you've taken advantage of the discounts that are available by making your purchase, utilizing the codes and the links and the phone numbers that are related to this show. So thank you so very much for that. Now, as a regular listener of this show... You are more than aware of the fact that the surest path to being a victim of tyranny is to give up your guns. All you have to do is be a student of history to know that. You also know that the quickest way to become the victim of a crime is to not have your gun when you need it. Which is why I want to talk to you about one of the biggest mistakes that gun owners like myself, and I'm sure some of you out there should admit to the same thing, we make this big mistake by picking out a holster that is literally so uncomfortable that we just stop using it. Now, what that means is that in our quest to defend ourselves and protect our family and our neighbors and even to protect our property, which despite uh, assertions from the left, you have every legal right to do, well, we've already kind of failed right at the start. And that's one of the reasons that Vanish Holsters is quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in America. They have thousands of customers that say they are, in fact, the most comfortable holster ever. And thousands that will also tell you that once you get a Vanish holster, you'll never stop carrying. This particular holster saves you money, too, because it's designed to fit 99% of all semi-auto handguns out there. It works without a tactical belt. You can carry two fully loaded magazines along with your gun, and it lets you carry in multiple positions. You know, again, uh, going back to that most comfortable holster ever. And the best part is... As a listener of Tapping to the Truth, you can get yourself $50 off a purchase of Vanish Holsters. All you have to do is go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P to activate that $50 discount. One more time, go visit them at www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P and claim that $50 discount right off the jump, and, uh, you know, you uh, you could go over there right now, go to that website right now, and place your order, get that $50 discount, and have your Vanish holster on its way to you before the end of this show. All right. There is one last story that I really want to get into before we part company on this Sunday, and it is... A story about what happens when the American people start to realize that woke mob mentality is running the court system in certain parts of the country now. 
You know, we, we've been suspicious of it for a while. I even had a conversation earlier today with my wife as we were out for her Mother's Day dinner, and, which was more like a Mother's Day uh, late lunch, really. Uh, <laughs> the kids were going to take her out for dinner a little later. But anyway, this is one of these situations where we're no longer being able to entrust the legal system to work the way it's supposed to. We now see people that are convicted in the public uh, eye, and we see this on television, and we no longer see a case where people let the system work, where you build your case. And even though every individual would want the same thing if they stood accused of some crime that they didn't commit, or if they had performed an act of self-defense, they would want the opportunity to make their case in court and to have that case stand up and be heard appropriately and have the laws and the very precept of innocent until proven guilty stand for them, but they're perfectly willing to jump in and join a crowd and convict people in the court of public opinion without giving much thought about how that might affect them at another time. Unfortunately, we now see exactly that kind of men mindset taking place in New York. As Daniel Penny, the Marine veteran who is now being charged with second-degree manslaughter uh, for putting a crazed, mentally ill individual into a submission hold to try to subdue him to protect himself and to protect other subway riders. This is a situation where perhaps a trial is in order. Now, I know a lot of folks don't even want to acknowledge that. If, if you're on the conservative side of things and you're just seeing how the left is going nuts about this, you instinctively probably just want to take the other side. And I would admit that I would much have preferred that uh, law enforcement conduct their investigation and turn over uh, that investigation to the DA, and that Alvin Bragg, who has already proven himself to be a political operative, not a honest-to-goodness DA that's seeking to, you know, build cases and uphold the law, Alvin Bragg should have looked at the information he had and should have said, okay, well, this looks like self-defense. It will be hard against a jury of peers who actually hears the evidence and comes to a decision based solely on the evidence presented. It would be hard to get a conviction of manslaughter. It would be difficult. It would be impossible to get a conviction of murder. Except that's not the circumstance anymore, is it? We just saw a New York jury give a left loon who thinks rape is sexy, $5 million of Trump's money just because they don't like Donald Trump. They didn't find him uh, to be guilty of rape. They didn't find this accusation to be credible because there was so much vagary in it. It was intentionally vagued up so that nobody could easily dismiss it. But at the end of the day, this is the reality in New York. Donald Trump has been indicted by Alvin Bragg's 
as a political thing so that he can run for higher office later. He can claim to be the first person to get an indictment against Trump, no matter how it plays out. I mean, if he can get a conviction, sure, he's all about that, but he doesn't really care about that. He just wants to be able to make the claim legitimately that he was the first person to get an indictment, because getting a conviction is going to be way harder. And now Alvin Bragg's has went from, uh, let's let the investigation work itself out, and then let's look at the evidence and see what kind of a case it is, to... Uh, unceremoniously going ahead and announcing second-degree manslaughter charges, which even according to the statute of second-degree manslaughter, which I'm sure a lot of you have probably already heard read to you on multiple outlets, so I'm not going to recap that again for you. Uh, it's easy enough for you to find this out on your own if you haven't heard it, but it does involve reckless actions that led to the death. There was nothing reckless about what happened in this instance. This is a man who not only was well-versed in incapacitating without causing permanent harm uh, opponents, but literally trained other Marines to do it. He was using something that was similar to a triangle hold. It was a sleeper hold. For all intents and purposes, this is not designed to kill. It's designed to incapacitate and the extended footage of the video that was taken shows that as soon as this individual had been incapacitated, that Daniel Penny moved him into a recovery position so that circulation could be restored to full and that he would recover. Well, Jordan Neely died anyway. So... Marine veteran Daniel Penny, 24 years old, charged with manslaughter in the death of 30-year-old Jordan Neely by Alvin Bragg. That's the headline. Video footage showed the Marine veteran put Jordan Neely into a submission hole. And yet we still have multiple mainstream legacy outlets referring to this as a fatal chokehold. They keep using the term chokehold, and partially because sometimes in the shorthand in MMA, uh, this type of sleeper maneuver is called a chokehold because it's designed to go around the neck. But it's not actually designed to choke the individual. It's not designed to cut off the airflow. It cuts off the blood flow to the brain. It slows the blood flow, causing the individual to pass out after a certain amount of time. Usually uh, increased if you fight against it. Takes longer if you relax. I'm getting really tired of seeing media report this as a chokehold because technically that's not what it was. But it bothers me even more when they refer to it as fatal because we don't have the final coroner report. I have a feeling that the final coroner report is going to show that this may have been a trigger point for some type of panic attack. It may have cause some delusional hyperreaction because of some underlying health condition, that that was in fact what caused the death of Mr. Neely, when if he had otherwise been healthy, would not have 
led to his death. But the fact that they want to claim that this was a reckless action that led to his death, the way the statute reads, I don't think you can make the legitimate case that it's reckless. This video showed the footage that this happened. And witnesses say that Neely was threatening passengers on the New York City subway. Penny's attorney started a Give, Send, Go fundraiser. And that's the part that actually I wanted to talk about when I said earlier shows what happens when the American people are tired of the mob determining how the judicial system is going to work. We have no room for mob mentality. I don't care if you're afraid of riots on the streets. Why don't you let your police do their jobs and put down riots quickly? Why don't you actually put in place policies that prevents riots from happening? Let these people peacefully protest all they want. Get them off of the subway tracks before they hit the literal third rail and electrocute themselves. Get them off and out of the way of the subway trains before somebody gets hurt for real. Let them peacefully protest in places that it's legitimate. But the instant the first person commits an act of violence, the instant the first person commits an act of vandalism, the first instant the first person commits an act of looting, it's no longer a protest. And anybody that's there, anybody that's there, you are responsible for policing the other people in your group. That's the way protesting has always been dealt with in the past. Well, until recently, of course. Now it's mostly peaceful as long as one of you kept your cool. The rest can be burning down the city. We've seen that on a multitude of occasions. As long as you're protesting for the cause of the left. When you let the mob rule the situation like this, innocent people pay a heavy price. And not just the individuals that are accused. All the innocent people of the city continue to be a victim. Jordan Neely should not be dead today. But it's not Daniel Penny's fault that he's dead. Sure, Daniel's the one that put him in the submission hole. But it's not his fault that Jordan Neely's dead. It is the Democrats who've been running the city of New York. I've already made this point a multitude of times, and we've only been talking about this topic for a short while. I think I'm one of the first conservative voices that pointed out the fact that this is a result of decades of failed democratic policy that has led to mentally ill people getting to just roam about on the streets because they refuse to do anything to help them get the actual help they need. Democratic policies that handcuffs the police in trying to do their job. If you don't let the police do the policing, and if you don't let the mentally ill be confined to get mental assistance, then that's on you. Eric Adams is more responsible for the death of Jordan Neely than Daniel Penny is. Who was mayor before that? Yeah, that uh, very super serious socialist guy. Yeah, that guy. He's more responsible than Daniel Penny is. Every last one of you New York 
voters that continues to put Democrats in charge and continues to support these Democratic policies to reimagine policing, to try to make everything a social issue and try to make police officers into social workers. Every one of you that's behind those notions, you're more responsible for the death of Jordan Neely than Daniel Penny is. Now, you don't want to hear it, but it's true in a majority a huge majority of Americans see it clearly. They see it for exactly what it is, and that's why, thank God, Give, Send, Go exists. Because we know if you had tried to take it to one of these other fundraising outfits, you know, the ones that we used to rely heavily on because they were first to the field, you know, the folks that are run by leftists and now will just keep your money if you're trying to send it to, I don't know, say a group of Canadian truckers, the Freedom Convoy, you guys remember that? Can't use certain uh, fundraising folks to do that. Give, Send, Go is the only place you can go to do this. And we're seeing how so many folks are ready to help Daniel Penny fight this as far as he needs to, to get it out of the hands of a jury of New Yorkers. Because again, the jury of New Yorkers are part of the the mob mentality. They're part of that group that wants to see him fry, not because he did a bad thing, but because he happens to be a white guy who decided to stand up and defend people on the subway. Doesn't matter that there was a black guy that was helping him. Doesn't matter that there was a Hispanic guy nearby that was helping him. It doesn't matter because those are people of color and we can't talk about that. What we have to talk about is the white guy who murdered, according to AOC and other leftists, murdered a black man, murdered a Michael Jackson impersonator that was harmless. Oh, it's not a crime to be hungry on the subway. No, no, it's not. It is a crime, however, when you randomly punch old people in the face, something that Neely had an unserved warrant prepared to be brought against him for. Jordan Neely most likely was acting up because he wanted to be arrested. He was most likely acting up and making these threats and would have probably assaulted someone because he wanted to go someplace where he could stay and he would get food. He wouldn't have those concerns if you had your mental health facilities operational like you should have. If you had better policies in place that prevented mentally ill individuals from having to roam the streets of New York endangering all of your citizens, themselves and others. He tried pushing people in front of subway trains as they were coming into station. It was only through miracle that there was two different individuals that didn't end up falling in front of these trains and being killed. This harmless Michael Jackson impersonator had nearly killed at least two people and had assaulted dozens of people at this point, and he desperately needed help. But don't be surprised, don't be shocked, when suddenly the citizens decide, we're not going to put up with it anymore, and if you're not going to have police and let the police come in and do the job, then we're going to have to do it. And yes, Eric Adams is right. We're not Gotham, or we don't want to have violent vigilantes. But then do your damn job mayor, former police chief, former guy who, when you were working with the NYPD before you became the police chief, everybody 
that worked in the NYPD knew not to get between you and the camera because they'd get hurt as you were making your way to get in front of it. We know these things. And you know it. Do we want vigilantes running the streets? No. But it's failed democratic policies that are leading to more and more vigilantes being necessary. And citizens of this country have a right to defend themselves, whether you like it or not. Now, you're going to take this guy to court, and you're going to try to prove that he went beyond what was necessary to defend himself. Self-defense is his defense in this case. And a jury that isn't tainted by political ideology and racism have no choice but to find this guy innocent based on self-defense and based on the testimony that we've already heard, although it hasn't been in court and under oath, of other people that were riding the train. Jordan Neely had multiple people frightened for their lives, and he was making threats. Well, uh, an unarmed man threatening people isn't justification to kill him. No, that alone isn't, but the fact that he made every indication that he was prepared to act on it, that is. That is. And again, I remind anybody that wants to whine about it, you don't have a leg to stand on if you're somebody that voted for these Democrats who've created these policies, that's created this wasteland of New York, that's turned it into a dangerous, deadly place to be. It's horrific, and you should be angry about it, and you should be angry at the right people. And I'm afraid Daniel Penny is not one of the right people. Like I said, though, Penny's attorney started a Give, Send, Go fundraiser. The idea was to help him with the legal defense, and it has nearly 25,000 donations, totaling over a million dollars as of Saturday afternoon. So that was yesterday. It's well in excess of a million now. Quoting here uh, from the fundraiser, uh, what it says on the page, Daniel Penny is a 24-year-old college student and decorated Marine veteran facing a criminal investigation stemming from him protecting individuals on a NYC subway train from an assailant who later died. Funds are being raised to pay Mr. Penny's legal fees incurred from any criminal charges filed and any future civil lawsuits that may arise, as well as expenses related to his defense. That's all it took to get over a million dollars. A lot of the donations came from anonymous donors giving small amounts. Comments praising the Marine for his actions on the subway and expressing disbelief that he was charged in the first place with a crime flooded the fundraising platform. One quote, uh, a comment from a Johnny V said, quote, I'm a 76-year-old male, a wounded combat veteran of the Vietnam War, also a retired sergeant from the NYPD. I just can't believe how this country has become. And he had a little emoji placed there, and it's made clear that it's an embarrassment that this is what's happened. A donor... Alfred Rodriguez, Alfredo Rodriguez, said, quote, when somebody steps up in defense against a terrifying 
ranting bully that someone should be applauded, not persecuted. We need more Daniel prayers in this world. Daniel Perry's uh, evidently uh, not familiar with his last name. It's Penny, but still, it's what he put up. Now, the fundraiser's been the fundraiser benefited from a Friday night tweet by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who referred to Penny as a good Samaritan and directed people to the campaign. Quote, we must defeat the Soros-funded DAs, stop the left's pro-criminal agenda, and take back the streets for law-abiding citizens. This is Ron DeSantis. Now, Penny took down Neely, who passengers said was threatening people on the subway and saying that he didn't care if he went to jail. Now, obviously, he doesn't care if he goes to jail. He wanted to go to jail. The Marine veteran put Neely in a submission hold, which the New York City medical examiner said killed him ruling the incident a homicide, but criminal proceedings must determine Penny's intent or culpability. That's still the preliminary medical examination. A full autopsy report is still yet to come. And even though it should have little bearing on this case, it means a lot in the instance because it's important to know that Neely had over 40 prior arrests many of them for violent crimes. He struggled with mental health issues. Two years ago, he was arrested for punching a 67-year-old woman in the face and knocking her to the ground as she exited a subway station. Neely was also arrested for attempting to kidnap a 7-year-old girl he was seen dragging down the street. Again, this is according to the New York Daily News. Now, it doesn't affect, it shouldn't be a factor in determining what happens with Daniel Penny. But it's a major factor when you stop to realize that Neely shouldn't have been there to make this threat. He shouldn't have been there to become the victim of the racist actions of this retired Marine, as the left would have you believe. He shouldn't have been. If police were allowed to police the way they should he would most likely be sitting in a jail cell somewhere for one of these 40 crimes. If their mental health policies were in place like they should be, he had probably been forcibly committed and not on the street for this to happen. If it wasn't for failed democratic policies, this would never have happened, period. And that's the part that they don't want you focused on that's why they have to try to make it about race. And that's why so many useful idiots are going to help with that. But if you're somebody like me that believes that he is being railroaded because of the mob mentality and identity politics, then please consider going to the Give, Send, Go campaign and uh, help him out. He's going to need a lot of money because he's going to have to appeal. And he's going to have to get this in front of the right jury. All right, that's going to have to be it for today. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to give you all a treat if you want to listen to the very end, because after all the usual sign-outs, I'm going to play for you a Matt Fitzgibbon song that has been previously unreleased. So if you want to hang around for that, 
please do. It's going to be there. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Uh, tune in for Tuesday nights and uh, we'll be back soon. I'm out. set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. 
But every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends, our, our be- priests, bishops, and pastors refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of this world, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war. And someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because you see by then we will have been so weakened from within spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better read than dead. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die in his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Ridge have refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which evil must not advance. In the words of Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Did you ever have a really bad day when everything seemed to go the wrong way? Well, just to start, my alarm clock broke. It was 10 o'clock when I finally woke. I showered, shaved, and got my work clothes on. I hit the road like a marathon. It was five minutes from the parking lot when I hit a traffic jam and everything stopped. I turned down the country station I love. Ask for help from the man above While I was thinking of what I would say The DJ told me it was Saturday Oh, come on! Oh, my What did I do to deserve this mess? Oh, God, why? I heard a voice and said Guess I finally started back home that day And I hit the liquor store on the way Little old lady in a great big boat She cut me off and my bottle broke She's doing 20 in a 50 zone Well, I got pulled over just a mile from home He said he smelled the whiskey in my truck That I was speeding and was out of luck Oh, come on! Oh, my What did I do to deserve this bus? Oh, God, why? Guess. 
down my ride and waiting for cuffs I turned around when the boat pulled up Little old lady, well, she said to the cop Now listen, son, you better stop No son of mine's gonna act this way For all you know, he might have had a bad day he Shook my hand and then he kissed his mom He sped away with his lights back on This is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN.